Hi everyone, welcome back to the Media Mates podcast. My name's Ralph Tucker. Each week I'll chat to somebody I've met from my career in and around the media industry. All of them have such great stories to tell. I'm not Michael Parkinson or Andrew Denton, but I do enjoy chatting to interesting media people about where they've been, where they're headed next, and everything else in between. My guest today is Angela Anderson from Nova Brisbane. Angela has spent the last decade working as a journalist and newsreader in various radio stations across the country, including Sydney, Brisbane and the Gold Coast. We chat about the shaky start to her career, going broke in Sydney and falling into a toilet on the Kokoda track. Angela has been very generous with the stories she shared in this episode, so I really hope you enjoy our chat. Just a warning on this episode, it was my first attempt at recording a Skype call, so when Angela talks over the top of me, she's not being rude, it's just a little glitch in the recording process. I do apologise if it's a little off-putting. Enjoy the chat anyway. Angela Anderson, welcome to the Media Mates podcast. Thank you, Ralph. It's great to be here. Now, you're Ange or Angela? How does it go? Ange. I think uh, back when I was on AM radio, I was Angela to sound a little bit more official. But as I started to get more into FM news, it just seemed to roll off the tongue a little bit more, Ange Anderson. So I've gone with that. And you also picked up another nickname along the way, I believe. Yeah, Jando. I absolutely hate it, to be honest, Ralph. It's um, quite <laughs> bogan, but I work with three blokes here in Brisbane at Nova 6.9 at the moment, um, Ash, Kip and Lutzi. And we actually had a caller um, a couple of years ago, so I've been here for six years now, um, who said, me and my wife are having a fight and we just can't work it out. Is your newsreader Ange Anderson or Ann Janderson? So the boys <laughs> have just jumped on that and gone, yeah, no, it's definitely Ann Janderson and we call her Jando and it just stuck from there. And um, yeah, I just can't seem to shake it, which is a little bit disappointing, but yeah, I just go along with it now. We'll touch on where you are now uh, in, a, in a few moments, but let's go back to where it all started for you. Was media something that you always wanted to get into and more particularly radio? Yeah, well, um, to be honest, I think I was 14 the first time that I actually heard the word journalist. And I remember sitting at a bus stop with um, a girl that I used to catch the bus with every morning going to high school, grade nine. And she said to me, I want to be a journalist when I grow up. And I thought to myself, what is that? So I remember going home and researching it. And, you know, by that stage, I was all over the media. I used to watch the TV news every night with mum and dad and read all the papers and be up to date with everything that happened. So I guess I've just always had an interest in news and I love to know everybody else's gossip. So <laughs> I like to be across everything going on everywhere in all realms of life. And yeah, I've just, I've got a really inquisitive nature. So I think that's where it all stemmed from. And then from there, I just did every single subject that I could at high school to to make sure that, you know, I could get that degree, uh, you know, a journalism degree or an arts degree or a communications degree just to get into uni. So I did things like legal studies, geography, just to broaden my knowledge. Um, yeah, that, so I'd be, you know, in a good stead and a good general knowledge to to be able to pursue that dream of mine. So, yeah, I guess that's where it all started, Ralph. All right, so did you do any further study to make sure that you could take the appropriate steps to obtaining what was your dream? Yeah, so I grew up on the Gold Coast and I did a lot of research into what degrees I should do and 
I was quite comfortable living with mum and dad at the time, so I decided to go to Griffith University on the Gold Coast. Um, I did a Bachelor of Communications there, which was three years. Um, I did a major, my majors were in journalism, public relations and theatre because um, people constantly were telling me that um, journalism is a really hard industry to get into and you should always have backup plans. So I thought it's always good to have, you know, a PR background just so you know you can go to the other side if you need to and um, I also thought I'll throw theatre in there because it would help me work with my confidence help me with my presentation skills and I thought if worse comes to worse I can go back and at Griffith University on the coast you just have to do another year and then you can become a uh, high school teacher so I thought if that career doesn't work out in the media I can go back and yeah do another year and then be like a a drama and media teacher at high school. But thankfully, I haven't had to fall back on that yet. So <laughs> there's always a backup plan. Wow. It does sound like you did have a lot of plans in place for, or I guess, contingency plans if things didn't quite work out. So you'd speak highly of the, the courses you did there um, at university? Yeah, I did. Um, it was a lot of theory, but I know the uni now has focused a lot more on bringing the practical element on board because I'm actually, I've gone back to Griffith University this year actually and I'm now a tutor there. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, it's kind of, got, yeah, gone back in time and I'm um, helping out now with their broadcast and their radio program. So that's been, yeah, really beneficial for me too to, you know, go back to the, the basics and I guess, you know, remind myself of why I'm in this industry and how hard it was at the start. So, yeah, I went to uni, you know, with a lot of um, people who've done really well in the industry, mainly in TV. Um, Amanda Bate, who was Sydney um, Channel 7, we went to uni together. She's now up here at Channel 7 in Brisbane. She's come back home. It tends to be what a lot of us do from the Sunshine State. Right. We spend a bit of time in Sydney and then we come back here. Um, and also Megan Baynard, who's now at Fox Sports. Um, we went to uni together as well. There's a couple of other TV presenters um, floating around as well who we all did our courses together. So that was good networking as well because we constantly, yeah, find ourselves in touch um, later on down the track and, yeah, we just catch up on you know, what we learnt together and where we are now. So it's good to have those contacts. Now, did you find originally when you went in search of work that the Gold Coast and probably more particular uh, Brisbane and Queensland, the market was a little bit narrow to break into? What was your experience when you completed your, your, your course there at uni? Yeah, I was actually really fortunate, to be honest. I, um, I kind of fell into radio. So in my last six months, I've always been really diligent. And in my last six months of uni, I made sure that I uh, got as much work experience as I could. So I actually went down to Cosmo um, and did a couple of weeks there at Cosmopolitan. I then um, did the Gold Coast Bulletin here in Brisbane. Uh, sorry, on the Gold Coast. Um, I did the Courier Mail in Brisbane. Um, I also went to Channel 9 on the Gold Coast. And then there was actually a mentorship program that popped up um, throughout my final couple of months. And I decided to put my name in, in the see what came out of came about of it and um, I actually ended up getting hooked up with the director at Hot Tomato on the Gold Coast which is a little independent station and it was quite new at the yep. time and yeah I did work experience with them for a couple of months and then 
a job actually popped up as the traffic reporter because they're independent. They don't do any networking. So I worked out of the traffic management centre and was feeding back my reports live. So straight away, I got into live broadcasting, which at the age of 19 was pretty daunting. Um, Pretty much didn't know myself at the time, let alone what I'd be like as a broadcaster. So Uh, Yeah, I was very, very nervous at the start, but I built my confidence up and then um, ended up getting a job within three months of doing that as a weekend newsreader. So I was doing the weekend news on the Gold Coast at Hot Tomato and then during the weekdays I'd find myself on the road. So it was a full-time job and I was lucky enough to score that before I actually graduated from uni. And, yeah, I didn't even make it to my graduation because I was too busy working. Wow. That's a really great story. And I guess that I guess that shows people listening to this that, you know, you really got to be prepared to throw yourself into any situation and learn from it with a view to, I guess, pursuing that ultimate dream that you want. Yeah, to exactly. Do. But I find it never comes easy. So... I actually had a bit of a hiccup. Um, It was great to score, you know, that job. It was my dream job because it was, you know, at home still on the Gold Coast and, yeah, you know, my friends and family could easily listen and being in a smaller market too, you almost get a little bit of a personality going and you have a profile. So, yeah, within, you know, it was just a couple of months and I'd, I'd shot right up to the top what felt like it at that stage and um, mm. that came with its downfalls too. So I was actually, you know, in my first relation, my first serious relationship at the time, and then that broke down. And then I ended up having some huge confidence issues. So I'd find myself on air, and I'd be stuttering and stumbling, and you could hear the quiver in my voice. And um, I actually got pulled aside after one weekend shift, and um, the news director said, "Ange, I'm really sorry, but um, our general manager just decided to take you off air," and you know, if that wasn't, you know, a bit of a, a you know, shot to the heart, the um, the news director then said, and we're going to actually have to rip up your contract. So um, at that stage, I, you know, had gone from graduating university to getting that dream first job to then being told, you know, things aren't going that well and, yeah, we're going to have to let you go. So, yeah, that was uh, huge, you know, for me. I, I didn't know what to do and I thought to myself, gee, like, how could how could this happen? And I I didn't let that get the better of me. I I put my, put my tapes out there. I ended up writing to every single regional station in Australia. I remember – yeah, didn't matter where it was. I got out the Margaret G Media Guide at the time and I just wrote to every single program director in the country and asked for their feedback, gave them a CD. Um, yeah, told them that I was ready to start tomorrow if they needed me to. And um, yeah, it was a, probably a good two months there where nothing really popped up. But then within a week, yeah, within one whole week, there was about three offers altogether. So I then remember having I, – I can't remember where the other station was, but – oh, that's right. It was 97 on um, on the Tweed Coast, so one of the Bill Corrales' right. stations, part of the Super Network. Um, he came forward and uh, asked me for an interview, so I went to that. And then the next day I found myself on the phone doing an interview with Gem FM in Inverell. And then um, there was another opportunity that popped up at River 949 in Ipswich, so – I find myself driving to Ipswich and I think, 
yeah, I ended up taking the Ipswich job in the end at River 949 there because it was it was a good job and it was a little bit closer to home and, yeah, that's um, where I made my next move. How did you overcome those confidence issues on air? Because that's something that's obviously got you taken off air, which is bad enough in itself, but ultimately also you had your contract ripped up. So when your confidence is at its lowest point, someone decides to pretty much just kick you to the curb. How do you fight back from something I think like at that? the time, to be honest, I was pretty naive and I just said to myself, oh, I'm going to show them. So I um, I just had that fire in my belly. I just knew that this is what I wanted to do and I wasn't going to let anyone stop me. And I think, you know, having the pressure of all my family and my friends friends listening to me on air on the Gold Coast, it it probably was a bit of a downfall in the end because I um, was always thinking about them as I was reading, not thinking about the stories. And yeah, I think I just needed to go away where not many people would hear me and I guess get what they call air miles up. So um, yeah, get time on air just to explore myself, my voice, yeah, and who I was. So yeah, I only ended up spending three months at Ipswich because then after I'd sent out all those um, demo tapes and resumes, a job popped up at um, Campbelltown at C91.3 there in Sydney. So I thought to myself, I've always wanted to live in Sydney. I'm 20 years old. What have I got to lose? So, yeah, packed my bags and off I went. So who, who was in charge there at um, His name at was Mark Hansen. So it was, um, again, quite a small newsroom. I think there was a team of five of us. Um, and, yeah, we, we produced all local bulletins. So it was, again, locally focused. And, um, yeah, he was great in giving me more confidence because when I was at Ipswich, I never had a news director. So I was on my own and I ended up, you know, when you're on your own, you're making some errors and no one's correcting them. So it was good to have a news yep. director again, somebody go over your scripts. And, um, yeah, that place really gave me some confidence because, yeah, it was like a, a family environment. I was um, living in Sydney at Ramwick and I was driving out to Campbelltown every morning. That didn't faze me because I was so dedicated to the job. And, um, yeah, I ended up meeting quite a few people who have gone on to do quite well from um, Campbelltown days. Jonathan Lee, who's now at Channel 10 up here. It was James Cregan who did a bit of work at Channel 10 in Sydney for a while. Um, and then contacts that I made when I was at Campbelltown actually led me to a job at 2UE. So once again, I was only in that newsroom for six months and I remember knocking on Clinton Maynard, um, who was a news director at 2UE at the time, on his door and I said, you know, I'm young, I'm fresh, but I'm, I'm willing to, to give it a go. So thankfully he took me on board and then from there I just, yeah, I learned from the best of the best. So uh, that's that's the place that I guess I just look back on most 2UE and just say that's that's a big pinnacle in my career because it actually changed the way I am today as a journalist. Was it daunting to up your things and move down to Sydney and then, I guess, move to, to Campbelltown where, like you say, uh, local issues would have dominated the news bulletins and not knowing the area, you had to bring yourself up to speed fairly quickly and then obviously in the greater scheme of things, moving to a place where moving to a place like to UE, which had such a, a rich history mm. in um in news and, and Yeah, it was. Um daunting definitely and quite lonely at times to be honest. You know, I've come from you know in a way a small town. The Gold Coast isn't huge. Um never really experienced a big city. Here I am finding myself on thirty two thousand dollars a year having to pay four hundred dollars a week rent. Um 
it was tough, but I guess it gave me the opportunity to just throw myself into work, and that's what I did. I mean, I didn't didn't have any relationships at the time. I um I didn't really have a social life outside of work, which yeah wasn't that bad though because um, when I moved to a place like TUE, we were all a lot of us were around the same age, so that ended up becoming my social life, and you would hang out with those people and then get to know their friends as well. So that opened up doors too personally. Um, career-wise, um, it's probably the best thing I ever did because there's nothing like being thrown in the deep end, I guess, and and learning and learning and figuring yourself out from there. So what were the things that you learned? What were the major things that you picked up? working at TUE because you would have worked alongside uh, some great people that were able to supply you with some extra Yeah, guidance. definitely. So when I was at TUE, Derek Peterson was the breakfast um, editor and he to this day would be the best person I have ever worked with in radio. He, he took the time out to, I guess, teach me how to write because – you know, I'd only ever worked in regional stations by then, which to him probably was really frustrating, but he was really dedicated to fostering young talent. And he, um, yeah, taught me how to write really succinctly um, and just straight to the point, really, basic radio script. Um, so to this day, I, I often think about him and think, I wonder what Derek would think of this. <laughs> and uh, my reading, I mean, you're working alongside the likes of Steve Blander, you're hearing him every day and, yeah, you start to pick up on what they're doing differently and start to adopt it yourself. Um, and in terms of stories, I think when I was at TUE, I really learnt how to structure a bulletin and how to find news and that was just by watching you know the best of the best do it and then when it came to actually you know formulating scripts and stuff um and knowing what talent to put in there what grabs and stuff it was all about learning from the likes of Dan Sutton and Jess Pelliccioni and um yeah Olivia Sizanski who was there at the time they were all um chasers and I became a chaser too so we would sit um alongside Derek Peterson during breakfast and our sole purpose was to try and get as much um yeah as many grabs as we could um up for the breakfast news so I loved that shift I absolutely loved it because you didn't have the pressure to be reading you just got to chase so yeah it um it really helped those skills and what about the the on-air stuff? Did they get you to uh, read bulletins? Were you on overnights? Did you do weekends? Um, or was it just purely in that that backup role which sort of taught you some great skills that you could no, use? No, everyone unfortunately went through that um, 24-7 rotational roster. So <laughs> I would find myself doing the mid-dawns um, some days and then that chase role other days. So, yeah, I did get an opportunity to be on air, which was such a thrill, you know, to UE, as you said, with its rich history um and how competitive it is like um having you know we're always monitoring the lights of 2gb and stuff like that so it um yeah it it was a real growth stage for me too when it comes to on-air presentation um yeah i i think i did 
develop myself there, but the read that I do today in FM News is obviously vastly different to the way I used to read AM, especially I was only 21 at the time. So I listened back and I'm like, I can't believe they even put me on air. To be honest, I sounded quite young reading for a very mature station. So I guess learning from those early reads and having someone like Jerick there to work with you and, and make sure that you were getting up to speed, you look back on it now as as like you said, one of the, the great experiences. Yeah, definitely. So and also the opportunity to be on the road too. So I've never done that since. I've only ever been in a studio because I've worked in an FM environment. So um, yeah, just knowing what it's like to be out on the road. I do miss it sometimes, but um, yeah, it was a real growth stage. The opportunity then came for you to move back home. Oh. Is that right? How did it all come back to the fact that you sort of, you went back to yeah. Brisbane so first, what happened was, was it? Um, I was at 2UAB for a year and as I said before, the pay, you know, wasn't that great to be living in Sydney and I was, you know, trying to live the lifestyle of still going and partying on the weekends when I hadn't a chance and, um, yeah, I don't come from a, a wealthy family at all so they weren't supporting me at all. I was supporting myself wholeheartedly from the age of um, 18 when I walked out the door. So I didn't have much behind me. I only had my car and the stuff in my apartment that I rented. And yeah, I found that I actually actually went broke. So I um, had debt just stacked up and I was, you know, trying to juggle this dream job and the bills kept coming in, the, you know, the toll fines. And then I just remember distinctly one day I'd broken down um, just outside the sheaf in Double Bay and I couldn't afford fuel. And I thought to myself, this is ridiculous, Ange, what are you doing? It was time to go home. It was time to to regroup and spend a bit more time, um, yeah, I guess just building my savings to hopefully go back to Sydney again where it all happens. So, yeah, that was um, that was a bit of a learning curve. So I packed my bags. I remember going into Clinton Maynard, the news director at TUE's office, just in tears saying, I don't want to give you this, but I have to. I, I have to go. I love this job so much. But um, opportunities come back to go back to Hot Tomato, so that radio station on the Gold Coast that sacked me because I was too nervous, wanted me back. <laughs> How does that actually work out? Well, did they hear your yeah. stuff on 2UE and approach you or yeah, did no, you approach them? Yeah, they used to them? hear my stuff at um, 2UE and um, I stayed in contact with the news director. So she's always been a bit of a mentor for me, um, Kate Carla. She, um, yeah, always stayed in touch and I just told her my circumstance. Um, I said, I absolutely love Sydney. I'm going a bit broke though. It's, you know, it's pretty tough here. And she said, well, someone's just resigned. Do you want the job? So... I reluctantly packed my bags and went home. I mean, it ended up being a great gig because I ended up doing drives. So, you know, you're, you're going from a 24-7 rotational roster to having a, a pretty plum job on the Gold Coast where you can go out at night and then wake up and go to the beach in the morning then go to work. So that was good. Um, and I ended up working with um, Mal Lees, who used to be Triple M years ago, Club Veg, and he um, – yeah, yeah he was awesome. He was so good. Him and uh, Luke Bradnam, so they were the drive team, or they still are the drive team on the Gold Coast, and they um, they really helped me come out of my shell, not just as a newsreader, but um, as, uh, I guess, a contributor to the show as well. So outside of, you know, uh, news bulletins, I'd also be able to talk to them about the hot topics of the day and stuff. So um, I guess that's where I really started to develop my passion for FM and 
yeah, that that ability to not just be the newsreader, but to be like a news personality as well. Yeah, take me through that and the things that you learn along the way there, because it's a skill that not everybody has. There's a lot of newsreaders out there that their job is strictly to read the news. And then when they get thrown a curveball by the announcer, they really don't know how to respond in a manner that is, um, I guess, in keeping with the program that's on at the time. So how did you develop those skills from straight newsreader to being able to fit in and mould yourself, your personality? I worked a lot of the time on shows with uh, males and they're really lacking that um, female influence in the show. So I've really, I've kind of identified that and just gone for it, I guess, to to try and, uh, yeah, ingrain myself in those shows. So, uh, yeah, I saw an opportunity, um, especially here at uh, Nova 106.9 at the moment where I am with um, Ash Kibben-Lutze. My program director right now, uh, Jay Walkerton, who's also a general manager, he's really fostered that and um, has helped me identify where I can jump in. So I guess when you're talking about, you know, straight news reading and stuff, I like to think of myself when I'm reading my news bulletin as Ange Anderson. And as we spoke about before, my my uh, character as Jando is um is my other my <laughs> other alter ego, I guess. That that's just the 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 Ange, you know, the the one that says sometimes, you know, a little bit suggestive comments, um, the one that's, you know, easygoing, um sticks up for the chicks, that type that type of um, personality. So, yeah, I guess what I'm reading, I'm in reading mode and then when I'm just having a conversation, I just be a little bit more loose and I just try and put, you know, that news that news brain to the back for a little bit. But it is, it is really hard to juggle. I mean, there's very few people that can do it well. Um, who I look up to when it comes to to doing that is Carrie Bigbore. I think she's so great on the project of just being able to read the news and then just jump into being herself. So, yeah, I guess I, I kind of moulded myself away in a way um, by watching her. Did you find it ironic that you're on Hot Tomato at the Gold Coast there, they got rid of you for a lack of confidence and then you come back there and then you're not just only the newsreader but you've developed this personality (laughs) as well so um it must have been a bit of a a weird scenario when you reflect back on on what had transpired early on in your career yeah it was really weird um and a lot of the same people were there and still are i actually went and visited last week um because i was down on the coast and i thought oh i'll pop in and some kind of like family um it was weird but to be honest that first um couple of months in my career I kind of tried to forget about it because um, it was such a hard time emotionally for me personally. Yeah, I um, I barely tell anybody about that to be honest because, yeah, it was really difficult and it was, yeah, I guess um, a real um, – put a real dent in my confidence. So I try to forget about it. So, yeah, when I was there at the time, I, I just remembered myself as the person who's just come from Sydney. So, yeah, that's where I guess I – I got my confidence from there. Now, we first worked together when you were at Triple M Brisbane. You weren't there no. for a very long time, but you would have had the chance to work alongside someone who I respect oh, greatly in Emma Blackwood. You know, what did you, how did that all take place where you went down to, yeah, to so Triple I was, M Brisbane? Um, again, uh, yeah, at Hot Tomato, and then I was just looking for a bit of, you know, bit of a Cap City move. So I saw a maternity leave position pop up at um, B105. It's now a hit, but yeah, B105 and Triple M at the time. And 
yeah, I, I jumped at it because I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity just to get, you know, back into Cap City. And I'd never worked at Cap City FM at that stage. So I um, went for that job. There was lots of applicants, I remember. But, um, yeah, I got along really well with Emma Blackwood and Tash Jobson uh, during the interview process, which was really formal because I'd never been for an interview before that. It was always um, just, you know, uh, networking that got me a job. So, um, yeah, I – yeah, I just landed that position and I was back up for them, both of those girls. Um, one was reading, yeah, um, B105, the other was reading Triple M. So I was doing a lot of um, chasing for them back in that chase role. And, yeah, I worked there for three months of my six-month maternity leave contract and uh, then I, it was time to move back to Sydney. <laughs> so I I love the fact that Sydney is where news happens Um a lot of stuff happens in Brisbane, but I see Sydney as, you know, the pinnacle when it comes to stories. Um, so I just wanted to be back in that environment again. Um, there also might have been a boy, Ralph, but, um, we'll, uh, yeah, I was, I was also chasing a boy at the time. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I heard that Carly Bonavia was leaving Nova 969, so... I'd also heard about Christy Warner, who was a breakfast newsreader, and um, I wanted to learn off her because she obviously won so many ACRAs, and I thought to myself, yeah, I'll um, I'll give it a shot. So, yeah, I went for that job, and the news director, Monique Jews, gave that one to me, and, yeah, I um, was there for a year. What was that experience like working back in Sydney again after having been there the last time and you had to pretty much go back home with your tail between your legs because you weren't able to, um, I guess, mm. afford Sydney at that particular stage? What was it like um, coming back yeah, it was for the good. second time it, around? It made me feel like I'd achieved what I'd set out to. So, um, yeah, I was living on yeah, a lot of better wage so I could afford a lot more and I felt like I was living the life that I wanted to in Sydney and being back in the environment where it's competitive, like not that it's not competitive in Brisbane but it's fiercely competitive in Sydney and I thrive off that. So it was good being back in that environment and being back amongst friends that I'd made in the media. Um, yeah, and being in a newsroom that I'd always, I guess, dreamt of being in, which sounds funny to say that as a journalist because FM news is never taken seriously, but I actually really respect what it does. It's I've always said it's kind of like the fast food of news. It, it provides what, what you need on the run. So I think there's a bit of an art and a flair to writing good FM bulletins. So, um yeah, although I think a lot of journalists turn their nose up when they hear that you're an FM journalist. I'm actually quite proud of it, to be honest. Now, tell me about that. Having experienced it on both mm-hmm. sides of the fence, I think that probably gives you um, a better understanding than, than most, having you know crossed across both sort of markets, as it were, in AM and in FM. What is the real skill to putting together a, a good, strong I guess FM is, it's the definition of short short and sharp. Like you have to, it's word economy to the max. So every word that you write is going to make a difference in your script. So 
I um, see that as a real skill to be able to do that. And um, I think that's what I learned most from Christy Warner at um, Nova 969. She was always really good at that and really good at um, critiquing my scripts. So that helped heaps. Um, I think it's also in the content. So you're not just chucking stories in there to make your five and a half minute bulletin. You're actually thinking about what you're putting in there and how it affects your demographic. Um, so yeah, I think having that skill as well is something that's essential to an FM journey. So you're tailoring your bulletin, I guess, to your audience. Um, and also in the way that you deliver it, it's a lot more engaging, I think, and it requires like a bit more skill as such. I don't know if that's fair to say. I think some people might disagree with me there, but, um, to be able to, stay with the tempo of a show and the tempo of the music um, and, yeah, I guess blend in, you've got to really tailor your read to that. So, yeah, I find that quite different as well. And was it at that stage where Nova Sydney then was networking news into other markets or did that come a little bit yeah, later no, on so down the track? Yeah, no, so I jumped in um, – at that station exactly when all that was happening. So um, occasionally I would fill in on drive and I'd be reading back to Brisbane. So people up here, my friends and family up here would get to hear me, um, which again um, was a real skill to learn because you're starting to learn how to multitask because even though we're networking, we're still doing local bulletins for Sydney and Brisbane. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. I really enjoyed that experience. It's kind of strange going into a different market when you're located in a different city. So, you know, when you're in a, a, a given city, you get, can generally get the vibe for what it is, where you are, and, and you're pretty much saturated by news. But whereas you're broadcasting to a city where you don't necessarily understand mm. the vibe on that particular day, how do you go about doing something like that because it's not always easy to keep up to date with the the information that, that that's coming yeah, out Yeah, it from is a quite city. difficult. Um, I was fortunate when I was in Sydney, I was actually only ever really broadcasting to Sydney and Brisbane, so I knew both of those markets like the back of my hand. Um, occasionally, though, nowadays I might get called in to read an Adelaide Bulletin or a Perth Bulletin and um, I've never been to Adelaide, so it is hard to um, get <laughs> – I know what you mean. It is hard to to get exactly what their audience wants, but I always make sure that I do thorough research and I don't just chuck in any story. I always make sure that I do make sure that, you know, I look at the headlines for the day that um, are affecting that area. So I'll make sure, for example, I jump on the Adelaide Advertiser and see what the big stories are there, listen back to other radio stations and get a bit of an idea as to to what they're doing and, um, yeah, I always make sure that I list, I um, do a handover with whoever was a newsreader before me so they can fill me in on what's happening. Um, but you do find when you are working um, in a market where you then have to broadcast to other markets, um, that is absolutely essential that you do do a, a thorough handover with the journalist before you just to, yeah, to make sure that um, you are across the key topics of the day. But um, I always make sure that... I, I holiday somewhere new. So I've been to Perth recently. Um, I've also been up, um, up to Darwin, even though we don't have a station in Darwin. But I, just so you get a, you 
you just broaden your horizon a little bit and you you do get a, a feel. So when I do um, broadcast to Perth now, I've been there. I know some of the suburbs. Um, I I feel like, you know, I, I can connect with the audience. Um, when it comes, one of my pet hates with networking is um, laziness and if I've never been able to say a suburb correctly, for example, I always make sure that I'll ring the local news agent. So I'll just hop on Google and type in the suburb, um, all right, news agent or petrol station, and I'll actually just call the locals and say, I know it's a really dumb question, but how do you say your suburb? So just so I think that's just one of that's just something that sticks out to me whenever I hear a network bulletin is when um, yeah, the places aren't said correctly. So yeah, I've always made sure that that happens too. So you do sound more local. That is a really good tip uh, for people listening because there's nothing worse than probably someone you're driving along in their car hearing someone say their suburb incorrectly on the radio. So research is pretty much everything. And you're right, not a lot of people actually go to that effort of, of doing it. And I guess it, it kind of, it well, it does. It yeah, and I guess audience, too, like it? a lot of the bulletins uh, these days when they are networks come out of Sydney and some of the some of the journalists um, you know might not have ever lived in other cities and we all know that Sydney is probably the biggest market in in Australia when it comes to media but there are markets outside that you know the audience does consider themselves the most important so you've got to make them make them feel that you know their bulletins are a priority and I think um, yeah a true testament to a newsreader who works at a network station is if you're driving along and you're listening and you can't tell if they are in Brisbane or not. So, um, yeah, that's what I think when it comes to networking. It's obviously a really sore topic because um, there are a lot of jobs that have, I've, I've seen being made redundant because of networking over the last 10 years in the industry. And I think it's really sad because obviously I mentioned before I'm teaching at uni and I've got altogether probably 110 people studying radio journalism and you think to yourself, gee, like probably only three of you will get a job. Like it's, yeah, it's obviously different times these days, but it'll be interesting to see where where we do head when it comes to um, news and networking. Um, I hope we don't see in the future um, what we've seen like with Triple J, for example's breakfast where it's just one national bulletin. I hope that doesn't happen because I think it is really important to have local news. Um, but yeah, it'll be. I'm just yeah. I, I I'm. I don't know what to think about the future at the moment. It is a bit like that. I mean, people like to hear news where they are, and if that's removed, it'd obviously be a very sad day for the radio industry. But and as what we've seen happen over the last few years, it's all about budget numbers, it's not necessarily mm. about the quality and of And the content. sad thing is too, a lot of the time it's seen that uh, news can't bring in money, um, but there are credits and there are opportunities, I believe. That old chestnut's fallen yeah. by the wayside a long time ago. I think that's that's for the people in charge of the budgets to throw that excuse up, but that's in fact a lie because like you say, there's credits for everything. There's mm. credits for the sport, there's credits for finance, there's credit for the opening of the news, there's credits for the weather. So they do a pretty damn good job of selling the news. So I think that particular argument has disappeared and I, I, I really challenge any sort of program director or station owner that goes mm, down that path yeah. these days. I, um, yeah, I don't see that argument either, but yeah, I just, I do hope in the future 
um, program directors do see the importance of news because a lot of shows too base their content on what's in the news, um, especially in FM because we do offer entertainment news as well. So, yeah, I think there's a strong correlation there and I think that needs to be developed even further. So you ticked off Sydney AM, you ticked off uh, Sydney FM. I guess the opportunity then came for you to relocate again back to Yeah, um, I actually covered the floods here in 2011. So I flew up when I was working in the Sydney newsroom, flew up to Brisbane and um, did the bulletins. And then at the time, Crystal Keller, um, who's now a newsreader down in Melbourne, she was leaving and I thought, yeah, I don't mind this. Like breakfast news, because I was only doing backup down in Sydney. Um, I really would like this, this shift. So I put my hand up for it and got it. And that was five years ago now. So yeah, I've been here for a little while and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, um, it's got to the stage now where I know the shift like the back of my hand and I I really enjoy it. And I've built a rapport with the listeners on Instagram and, um, Twitter and yeah, really, I guess, honed in on trying to develop that personality. So that's um, that's been good. And last year, I actually had the opportunity to um, branch out a little bit further out of the newsroom and I um, did my own show. So I was filling in on survey break with um, Jonathan Brown, the AFL legend, which is ex-Lions, and also Daniel Gaund, um, Gaundy. He's affectionately known as. He's now at um, CFM on the Central Coast. So, yeah, for a good 18 months we were doing shows together, which I really, really enjoyed. What was that transition like from newsreader who contributed a little bit in the show each morning and developed her personality to being someone who was in a show itself? Um, it was it was different. Yeah, of course it was different. Um, I guess what I had to do was um, peel back myself entirely and make myself more vulnerable, which as a newsreader, we always kind of hide behind the fact that we have to be the authoritative person. And, you know, when I was doing that show, they actually had a fill-in newsreader come in. So I couldn't, I guess, hide behind that blanket anymore. So um, I found myself having to expose a little bit more of myself. And it was a learning experience too in the terms of getting to know myself better and what content I can offer up and starting to think about stories beyond three pars and thinking about it of how, where can I take this in a talk break? So it was gaining new skills altogether um, of learning how to formulate a chat and, you know, where's your out and um, how to interact with others because that's a totally different thing as well. But I really, really am thankful of the opportunity that the boys that I work with, Ash, Kip and Lutzi, in the way that I am able to jump in with them and I guess in a way they've really taught me how how to go about that, how to formulate the breaks and um, the program director, Jay Walker, and he's sat down heaps with me and gone through every single break that I do on air and how can you do it better and this bit was good, this bit was not so good. But deep down, you always know if you've done well or not because it, it, yeah, it's gauged in the laughter and the reaction that you get from the audience. So, yeah, it was definitely different and um, I got a real buzz out of it. It really, um, I guess, made me a bit more passionate about radio because when you, yeah, when you sit in the newsroom day in, day out, although you're reporting different stories, um, 
it is the same thing. It's three pars and you deliver it. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was really good. It really helped, I think, develop me as a broadcaster. So I'm definitely looking in the future towards more opportunities in that, yeah, in that kind of area as well. Was it difficult originally to, I guess, open yourself up and share yourself with the listening audience, given the fact that, okay, you'd sort of done a bits and pieces, but then, like you say, you had to do it for an entire break. So, you know, formulating stories that happen to you around your own life and then being comfortable enough to actually share them mm, I on think, air. Um, I think what I did was I just forgot that there was a microphone there and people were listening, so... I got along really well and built a huge rapport with um, Brownie and Gaundy and it was almost like we were just mates and I've always been a bit of a, a boys girl so I just loved being in the room with them and just chatting about my life. So um, that made it easier. I think if I had different co-hosts it would have been different but um, yeah, I think that was the key to just thinking that not a few hundred thousand people might be listening um, because that would have maybe been a little bit more daunting. But I think that's what I liked about it most was that it was probably a bit more raw because I was just, yeah, I guess, thinking about them as mates and just not dropping any swear words. <laughs> So, <laughs> I guess that would have been one of the things that you would have picked up and based on your learning experience from your very first time at Hot Tomato where you were thinking about the audience the whole time before you went on air and then you've come to the stage where you've evolved from all of that to being that person that's on the show that all of a sudden you've learned from that experience and really learned to narrow your focus in terms of just chatting to the boys that yeah, are just sitting in yeah, the studio with you, right? That's been the key to being able to move further in my career is just to to not think about what others are thinking because at the end of the day, you're always going to have haters and you're always going to have people that like you. So I guess I've always been the person that wanted to have everybody love me, but that's not reality. Like you're never going to have everybody love you. That doesn't happen outside of a studio, let alone inside a studio. So that was something that I had to get my head around. Um, and yeah, of course, people haven't liked what I've said. They've said it's too provocative. It's it's um, something that I don't want to listen to on the way to work. Um, but I think to be a good presenter, you've also got to have people that hate you. And sometimes, you know, the people that hate you, it's, it's kind of your goal to try and turn them around. So, um, yeah, I guess that's been something that I've been working towards mentally um, because I've always been a yes person and always been someone that loves to be loved. So who doesn't? But, yeah, I guess when it comes to presenting, that's been the, the, the biggest learning curve. The other element that you mentioned before that you touched on was the fact that you connect with the audience via social media. Is that something also that was difficult for you to, I guess, put yeah, yourself I out guess, there? Yes, definitely. Um, I I don't like to filter what I put on social media, but um, I also am very mindful of the way um, my friends and family are affected by what I put up. So, um, in the past, I have been very, very open about my relationships. So, um, I was dating a guy for six years. Um, last year we actually broke up and 
Um, yeah, I'd never shared anything of him on um, social media, but we on the show used to always talk about my relationship. So that was quite a big thing to go through last year. And then I got into a new relationship and I decided this year I kind of want to shelter that just a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'll put up posts now on Instagram, but not share really, really personal stories because, yeah, I'm, I'm mindful of, um, yeah, how that does affect others because essentially this is my job and the job is to share, you know, your life experiences, but you don't want that affecting other people. Yeah, that's a really, really great point that you've made there and I think that there's always going to be people out there that are, aren't going to like you, but like you said, there's always going to be people there that like you. And I guess the sharing part of it, you've got to find that balance of sharing enough of yourself, but also keeping. Yeah, and of I it do listen private. to a lot of other presenters. Um, and I think to myself, I wonder how much of their life they're actually sharing. So I guess I've just, yeah, learnt um, by listening to others what type of filter to have. So. I mean, the best presenters, um, I think, have no filter, but um, how that affects their personal life, I don't know. So, yeah, it's so it, it's it's a different different realm altogether um, compared to news reading. But when you talk about news reading as well, there's people who either love you or hate you too, based on the sound of your voice. So, yeah, it's it's different. <laughs> now, tell me about the team that you work with. You mentioned them a few times there, Ash, Kip, and Lutzi. Let's go through each of them individually. What do you enjoy most about working um, with Ash? I guess, oh, he's just that real down to earth. He's all, yeah, he's just like having a brother, really. He's down to earth, he's a typical fisherman. He reminds me of my dad a lot. We grew up camping and going fishing, so that's the lifestyle that he leads. Um, so yeah, we. I've, I mentioned his brother earlier, Luke Bradnam. I worked with him at Hot Tomato. And we're both Gold Coast. We both grew up on the Gold Coast. So we've got um, strong ties there. We know a lot of the same people. So he's also very, um, very passionate about his job and passionate to see others develop. So if I do a good talk break, for example, I'll know about it because he'll come and say, I really liked that. Or someone's told me that they really found that, um, yeah, really um, emotional what you shared. So um He's he's been really really good when it comes to developing me as a personality. And he's obviously worked with Lutzi for such a long time. What's <laughs> Lutzi like? How do I start? <laughs> no, he's really good. He's really encouraging. He um, yeah, he's good at I guess teaching teaching me the um, the way to sum up a break. He's what we call the sniper in the show. So he's the one. He might, he might not say a lot during the show, but he, he is the one that comes out with that funny comment that's just like, that's pure gold. Where did you get that from? Um, he's, yeah, he's taught me, I guess, in a way how to think of things differently. And um, he's always the one that during breakfast will pull me in on a break. So he'll be like, so what do you think about this, Ange? Or Ange, I saw this. So he's, um, yeah, he's been great at showing me the ropes as well. And Kip, Kip's yeah. obviously a radio professional that sort of brings a whole yeah, he makes different element happen. to the show. So he's our a button pusher as well as um, one of the key three guys on the show. He's um, he, he's a personal friend as well. So we've trained together in the past at the gym and stuff like that. So he's been really good when it comes um, to, the, I guess, the emotional side of the job. Sometimes, you know, the hours are quite taxing and I do share those more personal um personal things with him so yeah he's he's um 
I, I call them all my brothers because I've worked with them for so long and I'm, they're the first people I see every day. So, um, yeah, we're all quite close as a team here. We also have Mitch Lewis, who's the sports news um, guy. So he he's also quite heavily involved in the show as well. Um, we're kind of the key team that have stayed together and we've had um, producers float in and out over the last couple of years. But, yeah, we're a very close-knit group and um, obviously we've had Jay Walkerton on board for most of the time that we've been together. So, yeah, it's good that it stayed stable because you don't see that much in radio and um, I think that's just, um, I guess, a key attribute to our show's success and, um, yeah, we've all learnt so much about each other and I guess I feel like I've grown up a little bit with them, especially over the last five years because, you know, that's how long we've spent together and, a lot's happened in that time. I've, I feel like, you know, I've gone from, oh, I've gone from my mid twenties to my early thirties. So, yeah, it's it's a different time in our lives. So it'll be interesting to see what's ahead. Now, tell me about walking the Kokoda Trail. Uh, what kind of experience was that? Experience. It must have been awesome. <laughs> I actually fell down a toilet. That's what everyone will tell you when they ask ask uh, when others are asked about what my experience was like. I um. I one day was, um, yeah, walking through the bush to go to the bathroom and I fell down a hole which ended up being uh, a used toilet from previous. So, um, yeah, no, but it was good. It was It was such – I guess it brought our team closer together because we're spending so much time together um, in the lead-up to training and then to be chucked in the middle of nowhere with – with no phones, um, no access to anything in the outside world apart from what we were doing at the time, it um, yeah it was a real bonding session, and I think we all learnt a little bit about each other that we didn't know before, and about ourselves. Um, it was a real personal development journey for me. I um, I spent a lot of time alone on that track as well, and thought about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and, yeah, it's I'm just so thankful of the opportunity um, that we had to do that and I think, yeah, not only has that helped us as a team, it's also helped us all outside of radio. What kind of preparation goes into something like that? Because that's a lot of training because that's intense and it's, uh, like you said, you spend a lot of alone time there. So mentally as well, you've got to put in a lot of effort to sort of do something like that. And I guess it gives you a, a real appreciation for what the soldiers went through back in the day when it actually Yeah, so we uh, were training in the lead up to um, three times a week together. Um, We're also all doing our own gym training outside of that. Um, We were also, yeah, preparing ourselves mentally each differently. I I went to the track with the thought that if I do this, this is going to be amazing, but I might be chopping out halfway through. Who knows? I could break a leg. So I was telling myself not to be disappointed if that happened, but... I really wanted to give it my best and I think you just had to think each day about putting one foot forward in front of the other and, yeah, I loved every minute of it and it ended up not being a countdown of nights. I didn't want it to end because it was such a good experience. But, yeah, when it comes to the soldiers that did it in in the war, I just I can't even imagine what it was like because they were out there for months. We were only out there for seven nights. So, um yeah, when you walk past trees and there's still bullets lodged in them and then when we were shown um, a cache of all these different um, 
ammunition and weapons used, it really started to hit home, I guess, um, and the creeks that we had to walk through knowing that people were being dragged through those injured. It, um, yeah, it was such an experience and it's made me have such an appreciation for our military history now. Uh, we'll wrap things up in a sec, but um, before we go, I just want to get some advice from you for anyone that's looking to break into radio or media. You obviously do that mm-hmm. with your teaching. What would you say to anyone now who's looking to embark? I guess you've just got to be cons- um, persistent is what I, I tell most students that are studying towards journalism. Um have your foot in a lot of different doors. Um, contacts is the biggest thing. So um, establishing contacts with um, program directors, other journalists. Um, so knocking on doors, basically, um, and not being afraid to be the person sitting in the background to pick up um, skills. So I often have a lot of work experience people that come in and think that they can just jump on air and read a bulletin, but obviously there's a lot more to that. And um, I think the ones that succeed the most are the ones that sit back, take it all in, and then jump on board and say, hey, I really want to do this. Um, I'll do anything that it takes to get there. So, yeah, as I mentioned in my career, I started off, um, yeah, um, interning and then from there that developed into jobs but I was never afraid to be the backup journalist I didn't want to be the star as such because I think um I think it's best to build your foundation slowly to be able to have a long lasting media career because you see so many people float in and float out of this industry that I think the ones that start off slowly and really perfect their craft are the ones that are going to stick around a little bit longer. Angela Anderson. Thank you, Ralph. Great to catch up. There she is, Ange Anderson from Nova Brisbane. It really does sound like Ange Anderson, doesn't it? If you really enjoyed my chat today with Ange, please let her know by sending her a tweet. She's at Ange underscore Anderson. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is at MediaMatesAU. Check out the Facebook page. Most importantly, if you could subscribe in iTunes, that'd be great. It means you won't miss an episode. While you're there, please leave a rating or review. That way, more people will learn about the show. Until next time, I'm Ralph Tucker, and this has been the Media Mates Podcast. Media Mates Podcast.